Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Blue Collar Off-Road Podcast. I don't even remember what episode we're on because I'm terrible. Episode Graham's 115. Not... Excellent. Thank you, Cody. Uh, <laughs> Graham's going to be a little late because he had to go into the office today, and we're joined by Tennessee TJ. Uh, I've wheeled with him a couple times. Super cool dude. But uh, do you care if we use your name on here? No, nah, man. Go ahead. All right. Joe. Um, <laughs> Tennessee the entire time. Do what? We have to call you Tennessee the entire time. We can't use. I mean, yeah. that's that's kind of a compliment, I guess. I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm happy I live in Tennessee and not other states. So, Joe, <laughs> tell us tell us a little bit about yourself. How'd you get into wheeling? You know, kind of shit like that. Uh, well, you know, I, I live here in, in Middle Tennessee, and which is literally like. I would say one of the best places to live because we have so many parks, you know, and just areas to ride within three to, to four hours. You know, I even have like AOP, which is 45 minutes away from me. And then Golden Mountain, when it was open, it was about 30 minutes away. And then we have a local park, which is like five minutes from, from my house, which is Mayhem Off-Road, which I don't know if any of y'all, I'm sure y'all heard of it and seen me post about it, but man, it's... It's nothing but pretty much black trails, even the like the descent trail. So pretty much uh, there's a it's like seven trails on the left and like eight on the right. But they all come up and come down one descent trail. And the best way to put the descent trail would be like trail 50 at AOP. You know, mm-hmm. It has a lot of, you know, just drops, yeah. ledges. And it's it's one of those things where... Like I said, it's a, it's a black trail too. But what I guess how I started riding, man, we uh, I actually started growing up riding four wheelers, pretty much my my whole life, and uh, eventually I uh, got into mud bogging and was into like full size Chevys, and we used to do a lot of trail riding, and uh, it kind of just evolved from from there to to what it is now, I guess. And what would oh. you, what is your now rig? Uh, well, actually, I have two. I have a a pretty built Cherokee that's uh, got a built 30, an 8.8, 3-link, 37-inch creepy crawlers. And then I have a, I call it a Juggy because, you know, it's pretty much a Jeep buggy. It's got, like, maybe four feet of frame left. But it's a, uh, it's a TJ, 43, 4-link, LS, 350 turbo, Atlas, coilovers. It's just the usual. Yeah, I mean, really, like, these days, man, it's kind of just a... The basic plane rig is as you know bougie as that sounds, but it really is. There's really nothing, nothing special. Just the necessity things that you have to have to to go wheeling and have fun and you know get back to the trailer. Down here, up. So, like, I think it really depends too, because you know, if you're talking like the southeast, you could definitely get away with something more like your XJ. Because you don't have to bump everything, but down here, one of my one of the reasons that you stuck out in my mind as much as you did was I went out with you on the ride after the trail trash ride. Um, I think it was right before you swapped in the LS. You had that two five in there, and we were on what was it? Creek the trail. Waterfall? Yeah, waterfall. Yeah. You were giving it the beans, dumping it from rev limiter, and that thing just would not go anywhere in those like four foot tall holes that that trail's now got. 
yeah, it's a it's a pretty serious trail. Yeah, it is. Um, so, did you initially build that rig up to that size, or like was it more of a gradual thing with the TJ? Where's the XJ fall in there? Like, so Cherokees, man, they came. Believe it or not, like I said, I I was into full size Chevys. And then, like, my first trail rig, like I said, we used to mud bog. And we had a lot of local places with just mud hose that was, was bottomless pits. But a lot of them got closed down. And I uh, got rid of it. And uh, my first trail rig was probably a 84 Extra Cab Toyota. And uh, I found a brand new set of Q78s and put on it. Cut the fenders a little bit. And uh, I wheeled it for for a little bit, and uh, it was a good running truck. Uh, it was rust free, straight axle. But man, uh, it's kind of it's kind of a junker. Uh, it's hard to start, and what I actually ended up doing, if, it ever, if I ever killed it, it would not start back. And I actually drilled a hole in the firewall and into the breather lid, and ran a piece of hose from the breather lid into the cab, and I kept like four or five cans of starting fluid in there with me and so I would spray starting fluid through the hose that made its way into the breather lid because it just it just it would not crank up. But once it was running, man, I would sit there and purr and just, you know, run like a sewing machine. But uh I wheeled that for a little bit and then my buddy had this uh I forget what year it was, ninety one or ninety, little Bronco two and uh, it was it was a goat. Like it just went everywhere, and I wanted it, and uh, ended up selling one of the four wheelers I had, and bought this little Bronco, and uh, we went on a big benefit ride here local where I live. And man, we unloaded it from the trailer, and it was like a two mile road um, to the entry of the trail. And when I say I didn't make it off the blacktop, I literally didn't make it off the blacktop, and I tore the rear end out of it. The barons actually, I guess it got hot coming down the road, and the rear end locked up on me. And then um, limped it back, swapped the 8.8 into it weeks later, and then went on another ride, and got about an hour into it, and just the, the perfect rock came up and hit my transfer case. Split my transfer case and it had to be pulled back. Well, went to the junkyard, put another one in it, took it out on the third ride. Fifteen minutes in, it had the twin I beam front suspension in it, which is junk. And I broke a inner U joint because I'm trying to think. I think it was the driver's side. It had like three U joints on it, and I broke the inner one and couldn't. You can't fix that in the mountain. You got to pull. I mean, I guess you could if you wanted to, but you had to pull like literally like the whole front end out of it, and ended up fixing that, and then sewed it, and then uh, that's kind of when I got into Cherokees. So we got a buddy. Uh, he's been on the podcast a couple times. This dude's managed to take a Bronco two from. I think it's got what the factory seven five and the twin traction beam. It's now sitting on a sixty and a ten five full hydro. Still got the wimpy four cylinder in there, but he took the uh, OEM transfer cases and made a doubler, and that rigs the little mountain goat, as he would say. Um, 
funny enough, he actually just texted me the other the other day. He was putting leaves back in the front of it, and he's like, you know, you'd be proud. For one, just one second, I thought maybe I should four link it, air shock this thing, and then he goes, nah, fuck it, I can't let Cody be right. <laughs> I mean, if you got a good set of working leaves, man, they're kind of bombproof. Working is a. Uh... It's a light way to put it. They work for him, but I mean, he's probably doing two or three sets a season easily. He goes through that many. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Was he just, just getting soft and wearing out, or are they breaking leaves? Or? He's usually um, flipping the shackles in on itself, so inverting the shackles and then bending the main leaves has been his like number one common problem. Yeah. So, my. My Cherokee right now, uh, I believe they're, actually I know they're Rusty's 5.5 Leafs in the rear. They're, they're bowed up real bad. But man, I think they work so good and they ride so good. I hate to change them because they're, they're just broken in, you know, and just, they work. Now, do you have a good, do you have a, uh, aftermarket shackle box for them or? Yeah, I have the relocation brackets. Mm-hmm. And then I I think they're iron rock. I, I have the relocation brackets and the actual shackles that that they sell. Yeah, that's that's definitely probably one of the leading factors on why they work so well. You get a good shackle angle with those things, you're good to go. Yeah, I'm a, after I put my first set on, like I'm I'm really a believer because before I put the relocation brackets in there, the shackle it would hit the rear of the, the the body and you could feel it, you know, just like a hard. A hard stop, almost like a bump stop, and I, I mm-hmm. put those relocations on it, which it does raise it, you know, like I don't know, I would say inch, inch and a half, you know, depending on your application. But yeah, I'm I'm a believer. Yeah, mine currently are at like a ninety, so they don't move at all, and it is the worst, most annoying ride possible. Like, there's no shocks that can yeah. support just what happens to these damn leaf springs. And it's one of those things that's definitely on my list to go and swap out before the start of the season. Yeah, that's like you'll see people, you know, who don't really have a whole lot of knowledge on Cherokees or off-roading, you know, they'll want to put like a, a six and a half inch lift on some short arms and don't understand the geometry of the arms and how that pendulum motion, you know, the the range of travel and how that really affects from going from like a short arm to you know a long arm, but which I prefer a three link over you know the typical long arm radius arm, wherever you want to call it. Amen to that. Yeah, absolutely. Now okay. I've seen the I've seen the radius arms work, but then I've seen them fail. So it's one of those things like yeah, it's better than a short arm system, but if you're gonna put the time and energy in, you might as well just three link it. Yeah. Well, my biggest concern issue with like you know long arms is there's really only you know two hard mounts that kind of hold that front end to the actual jeep. You know, if you break one of those bolts on the frame side, mm-hmm. you know your front is going to pass you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> be looking like Eddie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so hopefully they have a friend like Dwight who you know wouldn't care to throw their rig on the back of it and haul you out. Yeah, I don't think you could do that with a normal Cherokee. <laughs> that no, came in helpful. No, yeah, yeah. Which, what was it? Meat, beat and beat. When uh, old Limiter King, we strapped his on the back of Dwight's, and we tried to pull it out of there. Then we ended up 
you know, going and getting a welder because he broke. Uh, I think it was the axle side bracket off that uh, off that JK forty four front end. He got under his. He broke it off right there by. Damn, what was that trail? Slick Rock. I think I think Graham was there for. No, that might have been the night before we got there. Was that Friday night? No, I think it was Thursday night, man. Oh yeah, because we got there. Uh, I think it was Friday, and we set up shop, and we were just chilling because, like, we had had a busy day for Friday, uh, and then we wheeled Saturday, or a good bit, a little bit Friday, some Saturday, right? I can't remember yep. exactly. Yep. Um, good times. Oh yeah, I'm already. I've already got you know vacation in for the next one, which is January, February, March, April, I think May. I think it's the first weekend of May. John said. Yeah, I'm caught in a kind of shitty position for that one, though. I don't think I'm going to be able to make it because yeah. I'm going to S'more uh, at the end of the month, and both of them fall on weekends that I'm working or scheduled to work. So I'd have to take essentially like what's that? Uh, six days times 12 hours of vacation, and I just can't burn that much vacation time in one month. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know. it's a bunch, you know. Yeah, because that would end up meaning that I wouldn't be able to make some of the other stuff I've got going on. Yeah, which for the, I guess it was, which I've been back on night shift now for almost two years, but the last six years, uh, I actually worked weekend days. I'd worked uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 7 a.m. till 7.30 p.m. Worked 36 hours, got paid 40. And, man, I, I missed out like, on so many rides because I worked every single weekend. And on, the only weekends I really had off was when, you know, let's say like a holiday fell on it or, you know, I took vacation. But it was it was great at the same time because like Monday through Thursday I was off, so you know if like my kids if they needed to you know go to the doctor you know I could take them to the doctor and pick them up from school take them to school and then I had a lot of extra free time you know Monday through Thursday to you know do whatever I want which I got some buddies uh, from where I'm from where they work at uh, they work a split shift it's like three on two off two on three off. That's what Luke does. Fuck that. Yeah, Fuck it's that. terrible. <laughs> I, I guess it wouldn't be too bad if you worked day shift and did that. But man, if you work night shift, like you would, you know, work nights a couple days and then get off, and then get used to day shift and have to turn around, come back and work nights. Like I, I, I wouldn't want to do that. Oh man, that'd be terrible. Yeah, but we did a, we did a lot of riding through the week. You know, we went to you know different parks and stuff, and it was kind of nice because you never ran into traffic. Yeah, it was just it was nice, you know, kind of tranquil. Yeah, I've, I've definitely been trying to get to like AOP during the week yeah. if they're open. Um, at some point this year, I'm planning on doing that just because I want to like go cruise the park, not necessarily have it be one of those things where like. <laughs> It'd be really nice to get a group of like three or four people out there and just kind of go through stuff. And if you're not having fun with it, back off, do a different trail. And you know what I mean? Because like when you get a group of eight people out there, you start having to slam up obstacles, whether you're making it or breaking the rig. And then it just you can always 
I know it's crazy, crazy idea, but you could always winch. Is that what the thing is? Bolt or that's bolted to the front of my rig. You, you could also just not drive like an asshole. I, I oh, but don't if you don't make understand. it after five tries, you're gonna have to drive like an asshole. So, <laughs> yeah, I guess I, I'm just saying, like, it's fun when you get the small group. Like when we would go up to my bell with just like Ryan, me, and you, Cody. Mm -hmm. Those were good times. Oh, absolutely. Just one of those yep. things, though, like. You start growing your group of friends. If one person mentions, hey, we're going here, like six other dudes are like, oh, I'll be there. I'm down. I'm down. Let's go. And then it just builds. <laughs> like your little yeah. trail ride turns into now you got 14 people behind you and you're like, God damn it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of funny how that works, too, because like the the small trail rides, you know, like, like you said, just five or six people ends up to being like a, a big ride. Like a bunch of random people show up or more, more people than you expect. But like when you, you know, plan a ride, let's just say, you know, a month or two out, you know, the week before, you know, two people bail out and then two or three days before two or three more people bail out and you get there and heck, you only got three or four people when you were expecting, you know, 10 to 15. That's so funny because it's very true. Oh. Yeah. But like, Speaking so, of, go ahead. Um, suppose I should probably get this out of the way a little on the early side. Um. You're welcome to come out to Good Evening Ranch. We do something on Labor Day. Yep. We're setting up a ride. Uh, it's looking like we're going to have a fairly large crowd out there this year. Uh, Tyler, I can't pronounce his last name, so I'm not going to butcher it. But Oberstein or something like that? Yeah. Oberstein? Yeah. 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 He said he's probably going to be out there. IBGPN's going to be there. I think Brap and Brandon's going to be there. A um, bunch so of people from New England. That place is that's the, that's the one in West Virginia, correct? Yeah, is that, there... That's definitely you know a a bucket list you know place I, I would love to go. Like I've talked about it for you know a while because you know usually when I go somewhere you know I I bring my family and that seems like a very you know family welcoming place. Oh, yeah, it's it's awesome for that. Sorry, Richie, go ahead. I, I was saying it definitely is, and they even have a playground for the kiddos. Really? Yeah. Um, wow. And then it's like keeps getting brought up, so I'm sorry, listeners, but it's like a horse farm. So there's yeah. plenty of places where you can go and take some scenic pics of like the horses doing their thing. Um, and the coolest part for me is you are 15 minutes out of town, so like. There's nice restaurants. You can go and get breakfast in the morning if you want it right down the road. Um, it's not like some of the parks where you're out in the middle of like nowhere, like Harlan. There's nothing super close that's actually worth going to. There's like what a McDonald's and a KFC in town. A dairy Hut. Yeah. Dairy Hut. Yeah, that's Dairy a, Hut. A... Nope. Sorry, it sounds. I've, we don't have that up here, so I've never even heard of that. Yep, I believe that's what it's called. I know we got Dairy some, Queen. No, Dairy Hut. I, I believe uh, that's what it is. Uh, Pizza yeah. Hut. No. Okay, is it a mixture of the two? I, honestly, I don't know, but I know <laughs> Dairy Hut because we have a. I have a, a great group of you know. Uh, I call them OGs, man, because they've been wheeling a lot forever, and they're just. You know, 
they're they're about that life, but they they're actually going uh the last week of of this month they're going down there. But they always talk about this little this little place. Uh, they got the best chuck wagons. Ooh, which the, the chuck wagons and then the pizza. But you know, I, I've actually never been to Harlan. You're not missing much. Yeah, I personally hey, Lions Harlan Den is pretty cool. Lions Den's cool. I'm not gonna say Lions Den's not cool. But I like like the AOP style and like the Good Evening Ranch style, where as soon as you leave the parking lot, you can be instantly into obstacles. Yeah, I'm I'm more of an obstacle guy, unless I'm trying to do go fast stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. exactly. So I don't like doing trails where it's like you go out and you're doing a trail and you're locked into that trail for you know, a couple hours, and then you can go and do another one, and you did two trails today, I'd rather go and be like, yeah, we're going to hit the obstacles in Copperhead, then after we do Copperhead, we'll do Cripple Creek, or, like, we'll hit trail, what is it, um, I forget the entrance trail number, but we'll hit the entrance trail into AOP, then we'll bounce over to 41, hit the waterfall, after we hit the waterfall, we'll hit a couple other spots, and there's just offshoots that you can go and do ledges and stuff on. Yeah, you know, like like our riding style, you know, it, it it is great to be close to you know the the truck and trailer because you know we get up there we ride we ride pretty rough you know and it's if you break something or need something literally you know you could walk to the truck if you had to in you know thirty minutes or so or drive there in five. I don't know. I tried to walk up that AOP hill and man, I was dying by three quarters. <laughs> ah, fuck. I don't know. I mean, it's doable. <laughs> you had to. Oh yeah, it's definitely doable if you had to, but I don't know if I'd want no. to. <laughs> you, you go to places, you know, like Windrock, where you have to ride a gravel road for three miles, and then you know, fight the dust. And if you were hungry, all you could do is open your mouth, and you'll eat enough dust where you you don't even want to eat no more. Um, but you know, ride gravel roads for fifteen, twenty minutes, and then you know, wheel a trail. That might be, you know, two or three miles long and then hop over onto another gravel road and, you know, and go to another trail. Next thing you know, you're 10, 15 miles away from, from the truck and trailer. True. Fuck that. Yeah, which I love Windrock. Don't get me wrong. But the, the one thing I do hate about Windrock is all of the, you know, the gravel roads. Yeah, I'm good on that. Uh Windrock has not been something that I've wanted to go and hit. I'm more excited about AOP every time that we talk about riding. Yeah, which I'm actually going to Windrock the 25th, or 24th, 25th, 26th. Me and uh, Eddie's actually going, and Brandon's going. Wait. Uh, there's a uh, little fab shop in Cookville, which is, if I ain't mistaken, I think it's Eddie said it was his old lady's cousin or something like that. They're having like a little meet and greet top rod that'll be sweet yeah. i'm probably gonna have my jeep over at sam's by then so hopefully it'll be up in mid-march yeah what's Which, the uh, sorry go, go ahead sorry. no go ahead i uh, no, you're good i was gonna derail so finish up what you're saying sorry uh which it's i'm, I'm kind of actually looking forward to it because i just got done well i ain't gonna say i'm done but uh, I started building a crawler hauler. I don't know if y'all seen that. I think I posted. I was, I'm looking at it right okay. now. Yeah, that's um, a sweet setup. 
Yeah, and uh, I actually got the camper from from Nathan Holt, which he's way up in Indiana. He's kind of a we call him the Buggy King, man. Cause he's owned more buggies and sold more buggies than than anybody I know. Is he but, the one that uh, just sold the blue bouncer? Mm, the red, and blue bouncer with the American flag on top. No. No. Okay. Never mind. No, like he's got a, a red TJ right now that's super built, and he's had literally like everything I could think of. He's he's probably had. He's kind of like me. He likes uh like full body built rigs. You know, he's not really like a tube chassis style. I guess you could hey. say. Okay. Yeah, but I'm I'm looking forward to finally you know getting this camper and, and taking it out and enjoying it. You know, with the family. Because we always tent camped it. And I love tent camping. But man, just sometimes it's just, it's rough. It, oh, yeah. Ass with kids. Yeah. Which, that's that's why I love like AOP and stuff like that. Winrock. Like, if we went to Winrock, we would get a cabin. And then I know AOP just uh, added a couple more cabins. But we always tent camped there. And, you know, they had the bathhouses and, you know, the playgrounds and, you know, super nice bathrooms. And, you know, it was, it was oh, nice. That's... That's one of the things that I really like about like AOP and Good Evening is Good Evening has cabins ranging from like literally bed, bathroom and like little kitchen area to they've got like a McMansion that you can rent out. Um and then they've got the bathroom set aside in addition for if you're like RVing it, you can plug into one of the RV spots and then you can still have a hot shower and everything. And as I've gotten older, you know, I'm not like old by any means. I'm only 27, but I don't like camping on the ground as much anymore. I'd rather like go hiking and camp on the ground. If I'm going to camp on the ground, if I'm going wheeling, let me have a cabin. What? I feel that like you get the shit beaten out of you while you're wheeling. It's nice to sleep in a bed. And Buckley Graham's not here to argue and be like, "Oh, you guys are getting soft." Ugh. Like, no, nah, it's well, it's nice to be able to I, sleep in a bed and take a shower. Graham's <laughs> place, you guys are soft. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yep. When we used to ride fours a lot, like, there'd be times like during the summer, man, we wouldn't take off till like nine or ten o'clock at night. And, uh, you know, we'd ride till the sun came up, but we would literally, like, carry tents with us and, you know, sleeping bags. And we would just find a good flat spot that was, you know, soft dirt or leaves and pile them up and, you know, literally just just sleep right there wherever we was. And, man, like, those things right now, like, I, I, I miss those things because, like, kids these days, they don't do that no more. No, it, it's a good but, point, but also I was broke then, you know, so like I couldn't afford like because I used to dirt bike and do all that kind of shit, too. So I feel you. We'd go to dirt bike races and sleep on the ground and like, I don't know. It's just something about sleeping in a bed out and taking a shower is quite nice for the next day. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I don't miss waking up, you know, with a sore throat from, you know, the cold air sleeping in a tent and then or <laughs> smelling smoke. Like <laughs> yeah i after the last trip we did to roush it was like it was hot enough that if you weren't like you could drink a i brought 12 waters with me and i drank like probably eight of them and i only had to stop to piss once that day so 
by the end of that weekend, getting into the truck with air conditioning and going home was like a reward in and of itself. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, it's a lot nicer to come back to your cabin and be like, yeah, it's hot as shit out, but it's got air conditioning in here. I'm cooking up something to eat, like, you know, steaks or whatever, and then I can go and chill outside by the fire with the guys. I can just cool off a little bit, or I can go and take a shower because I'm covered in, like, at Roush, they have this, it's coal mud and coal dust, so you get this, like, black paste everywhere yes. on you and it just <laughs> doesn't come off now that's in pa right yeah okay um where i think it was called field and forest where did they just do that uh new hampshire, new hampshire. That new hampshire? yep that is, is that? what that is like what most people consider the best park up here in new england yeah i've seen little you know snippets of the place but i've never seen like a full you know, like in-depth video, like, you know, they just got done doing like, that. That's some pretty, that's some pretty hard stuff. One of the best part is my, like, our friend Chris Ayashua, he was the one that was in the JK. The, not the fancy one that he didn't want to get hurt on stuff. The other Can't. one, the fat guy. Um, he, he was saying, so he ran it and he did the event. He, those, they did one of the easiest blacks. They are the three trails that they did were the easiest blacks on property. One red. Them. Yeah, so that wasn't even some of the hardest stuff, which he was happy about because obviously, like you know, you get, you're sitting there for 24 hours. You don't want to go balls to the walls for 24 hours. That would suck over time. Um, but yeah, so like they did the most intense, whatever you know, like the, how he was saying it was the first event or 24 hours of hell and back where everybody had to wear the helmet, mm -hmm. but they didn't even do the hardest stuff, which is kind of cool. Yeah. No, I don't know if, if y'all have ever being in the mountain for 24 hours i have you know from from accident you know but like, man it's rough being there Not yeah i'm good on that uh i don't want to do that i'll do it if i have to but at this point i'd rather go back to the camper and have a beer or two and relax or go back to the cabin and have a beer or two and relax i'm not about like being out on the trail for 15 16 24 hours in a row yeah, so uh, during the summer when we ride, you know, our riding season, we don't really have a riding season. Like, we really ride summer, fall, winter, all that. But, you know, during the summer and the hot months, like, we'll usually, you know, try to be heading to the trail or on the trail by, like, 8.30 or 9. And then we'll wheel, you know, till 1, 1 or 2. And then we'll come back to, you know, the campsite and cook dinner and eat and just, you know, chillax for, you know, an hour or two until almost, you know, dusk. And then we'll go back out, you know, and that's when the, the fun happens, you know, when sun goes down and moon comes up, you know. People get crazy. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we got some good night rides, man. And, yeah. and that's, that's what I love the most. I, I love night rides. That's, I do like night rides at, like, Good Evening and AOP. I haven't actually been out at night in my rig at AOP because I always break it the first day. <laughs> and then I'm fixing it at night. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing about night rides is when, you, when you're riding a trail that you're not, you know, real familiar with, you don't know what to expect. So you'll pull up on obstacle and just, you know, see what your lights 
project on. You're like, oh, well, I think I can do this, you know. So you'll, you know, bounce on it, beat on it, get up it, and then, like, you know, when you come around the next day or, you know, the next time you're there and you know you did that trail at night, so you want to do it during the day. And then during the day, you get up on this, you know, rock face or something, you look over to the left, and, you know, there'll be a 15 or 20-foot bluff right there that you didn't see at night. So you wasn't really scared or nervous, but during the day when you see it, you're like, oh, that could have went bad, you know? <laughs> Somebody was just talking about that. It was Quarter Short. What's his first name again? Sam? Not Sam. It's uh Nick. Nick, thank you. He was just talking about that. He was uh, leading a trail ride at nighttime and then dropped in on this one obstacle, and he didn't realize how bad it was till the next day he showed back up, and he was like, holy shit, I went down there and brought other people down that? He's like, what the hell? It's kind of cool. <laughs> These balls get a little bigger when it's nighttime. That's true. Uh, a lot of rigs get broken at nighttime because of that. Yeah. Um, we were at like last trip I took was good evening, so I keep referencing it. But there was this one climb that we did. We went back out there the next day, and it's barely like a cut climb. There's a couple of trees that have been removed, but you come into it like leaning down towards your driver's side. You get up the first ledge, and it throws you over to your passenger side, and then it's a dirt hill that you have to climb up. And, like, it's pretty steep. There's a good 15, 20-foot drop on one side, and I had hopped up it, and then my fuel pump died out on me, so I just pushed the clutch in and fell back down, and I didn't even realize how bad what I fell back down was. Yeah. And, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So there's a there's another place in, I want to say it's West Virginia, too. It's either Virginia or West Virginia, but I think they call it Ivy. You're talking about the Cove? maybe i don't know i think uh, you, you know youtube typing like you know ivy i think it's ivy bluff or something like that but there's like some pretty pretty good little obstacles and stuff there i don't know if it's i don't think it's a park i think it's just more like a local area people are out at but i like I'm googling it now but let's see uh do 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 is it like Hmm. It's not showing up for me, but oh, oh, is it the uh, Hatfield McCoy trails? No, I think it's just like a local, a local Ivy thing. Bluffs. Um, Ivy Bluff comes up for East Bend, North Carolina. Okay, so it's Ivy Branch, I think. All right, um, Ivy. Yeah, yeah, Ivy Branch. I'm looking at a video right now. It's uh, here's one from Mad Dog Productions. It's on YouTube. It says like rock crawling at Ivy Branch. And here's another one from the One Ton Swapper Productions guys. But it looks like a pretty legit spot. Yeah, it's pretty close too. Yeah, I would be down to go and check that out at some point, but I'm not gonna go too far into it. I think that I'm probably gonna do. <laughs> Um, s'more and a couple little rides, and then my Jeep's probably going to be going under the knife. So, what's the plan uh, with it? Eh, we'll get there later. Right. Off air. Um, but essentially, it's 
It's going to be sweet. I'm really excited to go to S'more. I haven't wheeled there before. I've only seen pictures of it, and it looks like it's totally different than wheeling out in Tennessee or New England. So that's going to be super cool. Yeah, that, that's definitely another, you know, bucket list era park that I would love to go check out. Because like I said, it, it seems really family-oriented, too. I think it's like seven hours from me, which, you know, ain't, ain't too bad. So you're pretty close to me then, because yeah. I'm an hour and a half from um, AOP. Yeah, yeah, I'm literally middle Tennessee, like almost dead center. Like over Chattanooga, basically. Yeah, yeah. I'm, okay. if, you, if you go past AOP and you go up Mont Eagle Mountain, um, you'll come to a little town. It's called Manchester. If you turn right, I'm fifteen twenty minutes right there from twenty four. Sweet. Yeah. I can get to AOP like from my house to, you know, in the actual parking area in like fifty minutes. That's nice. Yeah. 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 It's been several times where I've had to like, you know, run home and get spare parts and, and come back. You know, because we always we never always bring what we actually need. Hey, last wheeling trip or after the last couple wheeling trips i've started carrying a uh spare fuel pump and a spare transfer case really yeah now what Uh, year turkey 97 97 so it's on the top too ain't it the fuel pump uh we're not going to talk about that that's gone (laughs) uh i went to an inline now ah See, I can. My Cherokee is actually a '97 too, and I cut a hole in the the hatch area the, in the rear, and I made a little flip panel, you know, so I can literally do a fuel pump in like five minutes. So I had one of the um, those moto built cells. Yeah. I never broke a damn fuel pump ever, and then after I put that moto built cell in, it's one every every trip. Uh, so I pulled the moto built cell and I've now got an RCI wired up with a JEGS uh, high performance to a Corvette regulator. Yep. And uh, it's like a couple extra PSI over what the Cherokee originally had, but it should do better when I get it out this season. Yeah. I'm sick of breaking them in half because it literally splits the pump in half and the pump or the bottom section of the pump just goes floating away. Yeah. Um, so let's see, we're going to go back to your Jeep because my mind's terrible wandering. So when you put the five, three in, is that when you cut the full nose off? Yeah. So it's actually a 4.8. Oh, is it? Yeah. 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 But it, it is the, 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 the trip that you was referring to earlier when I was beating on the, the waterfall trail, you know, uh, Got home Saturday night, Sunday morning after church. I washed it, cleaned it up real good, poured it in the garage, and then went to work that night. And then Monday morning when I got off, I literally pulled the motor, you know, the whole drivetrain out of it and just didn't even think about it, man. I just went ahead and I cut like a foot back from the the motor mounts. That way I had to just commit and then... Got to realizing, like, you know, why why did I just do this? And then I was like, well, let's just tube it all out. So I ended up cutting it right where the frame comes up, like in the actual bend, right right in front of the body mount, and tubed it from there 
you know, all the way out the front, and then my rear was already tubed. Um, I did that um, when I got the Jeep. So, what are you running up front for shocks? Um, the front are Fox 2.0 14-inch coilovers, and then the rear is 16-inch 2.0 rad flows. They might be two fives. They're two fives. Yeah, they're they're both two fives. Do you have any preference for the red flows or the foxes? No, not really. Uh, but they're not tuned or or anything yet. Uh, I had originally when I first built it, I had some air shocks, and you know they did good for like the slow technical crawling. Um, but they would unload real bad when I got like on off camber situations, and you know. Whenever you was going up a hill, if you didn't have a front suck down, they would try to extend and make the make the angle of the climb steeper. But I have a front suck down winch, so I would just suck the front down. And then I actually ended up putting a rear suck down on it too, which was a, a game changer. But I, I can't really tell the difference between you know the, the, the rads or the fox. It was just a uh, I blew a air shock out and uh, ended up buying two of the rad flows from wide open designs because they're like 45 minutes from me too and then never even wheeled it and i was like well i'm just gonna go ahead and sell the other two air shocks and i actually rebuilt the one i blowed ended up selling all four of them but i went back to wide open to buy the other two uh, the matching and then they didn't have none in stock and it was kind of hard to you know get shocks and then uh during covid uh, no, this was uh, about a year and a half ago. Just you know, you had to wait like six weeks, you know, f- or, or so. And uh, I ended up finding some of those Fox shocks on uh, Dave's Off Road Supply. I believe that's the website. And uh, from him, when I first built my Jeep. Yeah, I man, I literally had them like three days. Like, I was I was surprised. I had them before I even had a tracking number. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, damn. All right, you know, can't can't beat that. But yeah, I I plan on now. Uh, you know, letting letting Wizzo. I don't know if y'all know who that is, but um, letting uh, him. Yeah, he's from uh, Kentucky. Chris, he's got a weird last name. It's like W E Y something. I don't even know how to say it. But uh, him and Phil, you know, Shock Jesus. They're they're good buddies. You know, they're two of the best shock tuners around. But I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Wizzo tune my my coilovers next time he comes to you know AOP or something like that. Yeah, you setting it up for more go fast stuff, or are you just gonna tune them to tune them? Uh, I'm I'm just gonna tune them for more, um, you know, for ride comfort and stability. Yeah, I Richie complains about my rig stability, but I don't have a problem with it. I'm just curious don't because complain about it. I was just saying that Mark's feels more stable. Nah, eh, yeah, yeah, whatever. Richie I'm complains just... about it. Um. Sitting on it, not complaining. There's a difference. Same shit, different day. Um, but I'm looking at putting coilovers in the front end of it. And right now I've got 14-inch Pro Fenders out back in a 2.0, but the back of my Jeep's pretty light, so like they do pretty good. Um, I just don't know if I want to buy Pro Fenders again, because they're okay, but I'd rather have like a Rad Flow or something along those lines. Yeah, yeah um, the, there wasn't really no difference in price. 
between, you know, the Fox and, and the Rads. And I just bought the, I can't never pronounce this word, the Illusions or something like that. The non-reservoir style pullovers. Yeah. Um, but, you know, trail ride, man. Trail riding those work. I'm looking at probably throwing a set of resis in because I've got the rear resis and I've been bit by the go fast bug a little bit. Yeah. So my Jeep boogies around the trails, but I end up feeling like my front end can't keep up. So eventually I'm going to end up swapping all that stuff over and I desperately need to go full hydro. I need to take the steering forces off of the body. Yeah. How many times have you played? Twice, but the thing that I found that was interesting with my old setup was on a buggy, or it was kind of like barely a buggy, but um, I had a set of full hydro on there and my track bar, I never had any issues with it. With my rig now, I'm on the third rebuild of that whole section of frame rail between the... um, the back of the track bar mount all the way up to the front past the steering box. I the first when I first put the one tons under it and first built or I should say when I first built the rig, I plated everything back when it was on the Dana 30 and eight and a quarter. And then I thought that was good. I swapped in the one tons because I kept breaking the brackets for the track bar off. And it's been a reoccurring theme with this thing. So when I put the one tons under it, I plated it some more just to make sure everything was going to be all right. And then I tore the whole frame rail from the edge of the plating uh, a couple years ago. And so I've now got this monstrosity of like a piece of Dom tube that's welded uh, all the way up past the front of the steering box, back down to the bottom of the track bar, inside of the frame rails plated, outside of the frame rails plated, bottom of the frame rails plated, with like fish plates tying them in and everything. And now it's flexing the whole... um, If I go to turn the steering wheel with the hydro assist, it flexes that whole side of the frame rail. Yeah. So it's like that's going to end up breaking right at the back of the plating. And that means that it's going to break right under the coil mount. So, you know, it is what it is, but don't wheel a garbage Cherokee. You were smart for not having a Cherokee be your buggy. Yeah. Well, see, I actually, you know, I have, you know, wheel Cherokees for, for a long time. And man, like I've had my little white Cherokee and my old two door Cherokees probably places where, People wouldn't think Cherokees would, would, would go or, or should be, but man, I've broke so many unibodies and I've had to repair, you know, all of my friends' unibodies, but mine's kind of the same way. Like I have, you know, frame stiffeners, you know, from the front to the, to the rear. And then, um, well, it was actually at Hill Mountain, uh, I don't know, about three years ago. I think it was during COVID and I broke several of the uh, rough country track bars brackets and then i got rid of them and started using all the bk fab which me and adam were real big buddies but i started using all his stuff and i weld my track bars on you know plus bolt them i was just about and to ask do you also bolt them because i've heard that if you just weld them they can easy snap even easier yeah yeah i weld them and bolt them and i actually uh move them up a hole because if, if you actually pay attention to the track bar the track bar is kind of at an angle 
uh, the front end sticks out a little farther than the track bar, and then the bracket um, and the cool, you know, they, they like to rub together, but if you move them forward and then drill another hole right there, you know, it, it makes it, it rubbing. But I fully loaded mine. I didn't, well, I welded them on the outside. I didn't weld it underneath the bottom where it comes up under the unibody. And we was at Hell Mountain one time, and my steering got real janky. And uh, I got out and looked. I thought maybe, you know, my pitman arm or something came loose or, you know, the, the boats or something just came loose. And uh didn't see nothing. And uh, I was with one of my buddies, uh, Otto, and he came over and shook my steering wheel. And, uh, man, the actual underneath side where it was welded, it, it broke loose from underneath the unibody and folded out. And uh, we took a ratchet strap, actually two of them, kind of exited them over to my front end to keep my front end in place. And I got back to the truck, but I kind of had to do the same thing. I got under there and cut it out like a foot section and plated it all and, and braced it. And then I ended up making a little uh, support bracket that ties into my track bar that ties into the, or my track bar bracket that ties into the passenger side of my my unibody just to you know keep the deflection at a, at a minimum and uh, i've really not had no problem since then so i pushed my mount forward and i built an extension uh off of ironically enough a rough or rough country track bar mount is what it ended up originally being built off of um so we like added a little wing on each side of the bracket and those got burned in as well and then i've got the angled mount to kick it off the frame rail and get a little bit longer of a track bar in there and so i cut that and all and like it all packages pretty okay but the extra force on that unibody right there just absolutely tears itself apart even being welded and bolted yeah, I even like to uh, drill out the threaded hose in the steering box, which I have a, uh, I can't remember, I, I've run the S10 box, and I've ran the Durango box on mine. I'm pretty sure I have a Durango box on mine right now, but I like drilling the threaded hose out a little bit larger and running a boat, you know, all the way through it and just putting the nut on the backside because, you know, I've sheared boats before, and man, like, that's... They're kind of hard to get out whenever you, you know, share the boats in the steering box and, you know, you're in the woods. Oh, yeah. That's a pain in the balls for sure. Yeah. I mean, my, uh, my wife's Jeep one time, she had a 95 Cherokee. It actually, the, it death wobbled so bad, it broke the boats off of the, uh, passenger side engine mount brackets and the engine dropped. And when it dropped, the distributor hit something. Yeah, breaking the distributor off and all this mess. This was one day while she was on her way to work. You know, Cherokees and, and their death wobbles are just hand in hand, I guess. Well, the only thing I got to say is I just cranked the, cra or cranked the caster up on them and they generally don't death wobble or put hydro assist on it and then they really don't death wobble. Yeah. My garbage was. When it was on the road, because I'm pretty sure at this point it's not going to see the road anymore, it used to be able to comfortably cruise at 75, 80 with one finger on the steering wheel. Now, not so much anymore. 
it's just too haggard and I don't feel happy driving it on the road as much. I'll take it like to the car show down the road or whatever, but I'm not. I you know. I, I do drive them on the road sometimes and I, I drive it to work. Uh I'm not gonna say it's uh able to legally drive on the road, if you know what I mean, but I do drive it here and there. And it, it drives great, but I have uh right, actually, Tennessee, all you need is tags and turn signals. It's fine. Yeah, I don't even have tags or turn signals. I took my my lights off because there's something messed up. I, I have an electrical problem out of mine, but the the brake lights stay on. But uh, well, um, I actually have the fix for that. because um, my rig does this too. The the actuator that sits on the pedal itself, you mm-hmm. gotta reach up in there, pull that thing out, and then pull the plunger back out. And if that doesn't work, you gotta replace that little actuator. It's like twenty bucks at AutoZone. Yeah, yeah. I, I ain't ran tail lights in forever, and another reason is, man, I, I put you know brand new tail lights in there and brand new mirrors. I go on one trip, come back home with a broke mirror and a broke tail light, and I just got tired of replacing both of them. Yeah, I do understand that. I'm sending you a picture of the back of my rig because I had to go out there today and take pictures of it. You can see what I did to uh, fix that situation. Yeah, which I know they make those metal boxed-in taillights, but I actually, ever since I've got my, my, my TJ done, um, I actually have a 98 two-wheel drive that's pretty mint that I, I daily drive to work and stuff. But I, I plan on taking all my parts off of my white Jeep and putting them on my little red one and making one that, you know, still has good parts and will still, you know, wield decent trails. But I don't want to, you know beat the body off rocks and trees. I want one that, you know, if we want to drive to town and go get some ice cream, you know, air conditioner on, we can do that. Or, you know, uh, what I really want to do is build a nice one, take it up there to uh, the Smoky Mountain Jeep Invasion and just cruise around. I'm not huge on that. I'm trying to, uh, I don't really like going to those type events just because I'd rather be out on the trails, but it is what it is, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, th- th- there's a, I guess, a, a, a group of, of influencers and followers, you know, that, that do go to that. And, and what I can't stand is <clears throat> all these JKs with like 20 by 12s and all the dang ducks and stickers and angry grills and all that. I mean, there's a group of guys that like, when the event is over, you know, they all go to Winrock for, you know, a day or two and have like a, you know, a, a meetup ride at Winrock with a bunch of, you know, hardcore rigs. And that would be one one thing I would like to, you know, attend and do. Yeah, that's definitely cool. Did you end up going up to uh, Walden's Ridge yet? Uh, so I have rode Walden's Ridge. Where is Walden's Ridge? Uh, Windrock. Yeah, I think it's oh, okay, it gotcha. 75. But we did it back uh, 20... I want to say it's 14, maybe 15. I actually did on my, my Grizzly 700. But I've never did it on, you know, uh, a vehicle, I guess you could say. A, a Jeep. You did it on a quad before you yeah. would do it in a rig? Or oh, just yeah. timing? No, I did it on a quad. 
No, I'm saying you would you you would rather do it on the quad than in the rig, or just you had the quad there at the time before you got to do it with the rig. Uh, I I had the quad there before I had my rig. I mean, I, I would do it in a rig, no problem. Mm hmm. But it was actually pretty pretty sketchy. Like once you pop up it, like there's like a little ledge. You pop up, and you can cut left, and there's like a uh, I don't know. It's just long rock. It's kind of narrow. It'll, it'll you'll drag your dips across it and get hung up. I'm sure y'all seen it in the videos. Once you get past all that, there's a real like off camber drop off. That right there was was pretty scary on a four. I ended up just like kind of rolling to the edge of it and just gassing it and just just getting down it with momentum. I wouldn't want to go up it, you know, but I definitely go down it. Hmm. Yeah. But we used to. Uh, I guess the first time I ever went to Land Rock was actually I know it was two thousand and four. It was still Cold Creek OHV. It wasn't even Wind Rock OHV yet. So well, yeah. totally unrelated, but after this I got a couple questions for you about how you mounted your tub. Okay. Um so Wait. is your tub just like hard mounted to your frame at this point no it's actually still uh i have two of the factory tub mounts and they're just uh they're just you know i'm, I'm sitting here looking at it now they just still use the factory bushings but uh when i did my cage and all that i actually cut through the 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 tub and then, you know, built my cage off my frame, and then I built my seat bars. You know, it, it, it's it's all tied in, but my uh, tub itself, it's just, uh, you know, kind of still in the factory location with the factory brackets and mounts and all that. Yeah, I was huh. just curious because, like, it doesn't, just checking out how your rig is built, it really... It seemed like it was all tied in there more so than a lot of other Wrangler buggies I've seen. Um, you know, your sliders go to it, your doors go to it, and so I was just wondering if it flexed and was trying to tear the front of your tub up or what? No, no. Like I, said, I cut big enough holes and I've not noticed any type of, you know, flexing or anything. But I, I will say, like, whenever I cut my my front half off... I should have added like some bracing before, because as soon as I cut that front end off, everything just unsprung and 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 and, and bent out. Because the only thing that was holding my frame to my actually tub was those two, you know, factory body mounts right there. Yeah. I, but then, I, then I just kind of squeezed them together and uh, you know made some supports and all of that. And, but what? yeah, I don't really notice any type of flexing or anything like that. I think there's, I'm sitting here counting, there's one, two, three, four. I think there's eight uh, locations from my cage and the front half that actually are welded to the, the frame itself. So, I mean, it's pretty solid. So, another question. How did you, I'm looking at your front end tubing, right? Um, yes. Is that all like parallel bent with the little dom spacers, if you will, in there to support it all the way back? Or how did you tie those two tubes together? Because a lot of the time 
when I see people tube them out, they'll use like a piece of 188, bend it, tie it into the frame rail, and then kind of run that forward, and then run supports down off the cage. But it looks like yours is more of a, a little bit more independent, if you will. It, it was, yeah. Uh, so I ended up build, bending four of the exact same lengths and angles. And I didn't tie them together in at first. But what I did is well, I, I cut my, my actual frame. Uh, I forget what, what angle it was. I cut it on an angle. Mm -hmm. And then I took a piece of tube and then put it right there at the front of the frame like on the top of the frame itself, and just drew a line around it, and then I cut that, that shape out with my plasma cutter, dropped the tube down where it was, you know, almost like a fish mouth, and mm -hmm. then the bottom, and then I, I welded that in there on both sides, and that, that was the lower tube, and then I took the upper tube and kind of did the same thing. I think it's, I think it's a two and a half inch gap between both sides on, on heights of it. But I kind of did the same thing. I took a piece of tube and drew a circle. It's inch and three quarter circle in the frame. And I cut a hole in my plasma cutter. And then I slid the tube down into my frame like a pocket. And then I welded on the top and then I got in the inside and then welded as, as much as I could. And then I added, I cut all those little uh, spacers and then welded all them in there. And then I just kind of kind of went from there. It came yeah. out pretty sweet. So, uh, Cody, I know yeah. you've got the question. You want to well, hit him with it? Hold on, hold on. I got a question before that I, I let him do his thing because I was going to completely derail us. Uh, what's the wheelbase on that TJ? So now I'm 115. Uh, before I was 108 when mm -hmm. I had the 25 and the, the doubler in it. And I was at 21 belly. And then when I, when I just got done building it, I was, so I'm 115 and I was at 19 at belly. And I took it out twice just for like little test runs. And I kept just beating the bottom out of it. And I've since brought it back up to 21. And, you know, it, it worked really well at 108, but, uh, man, coming, coming down stuff was worse than going up because it was so low geared and then so light in the ass end, like the ass end would almost want to, you know, pass you frontward. Like there was, there was one time actually at the meet beat ride. It was the Thursday night. We was up at Slit Rock coming back down the trail and I got kind of, Caddy Wampus and uh, end up doing like a nose wheelie and end up grabbing another gear. You know, coming down the hill, I grabbed another gear just so I could save it or I was going to flip over forward. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's, That's scary. <laughs> I'm hoping to be a little more stable now on climbs. Yeah. Have you, I know you took it out and I think you blew the knuckle off of it last round. Uh, I broke, man, like Lily. We was on the easiest trail at Mayhem, and uh, I, I had my front tires up on a lid and was just, just spinning, and uh, my front end quit pulling, and I thought maybe my Atlas popped out, and, uh, you know, I made sure it was engaged, and then my buddy's hollering, ho, ho, your front left, quit pulling, and uh, I ended up breaking uh, another 1480. Oh, Jeez. Impressive. Yeah. I, I actually broke, this is my... This one I've broke. 
M43SX is take no prisoners. <laughs> no. You know, like I, said, I just had a 2 5. I, I broke the 231, 231 one time. And then I put all of the, you know, HD internals in it and never had any more problems out of it. But yeah, I kept breaking the uh, 1480s, the U joints. And I, I ran Spicer solids, but I didn't have the full clip circles, you know, on, on the inside, only around the outside clips. And what was happening, it was just, you know, it was popping the outside clips off, and the U-joint was kind of separating, and then it would kill the U-joint, and then therefore it would kill, you know, the, the ears on the axles, and, and that, end up having to buy a hose new, whole new axles. That makes sense, though, because, like, on my rig, I'm running the Spicer 1480s, because I'm running an 0.4 plus. I just, it was the axle that happened to fall into my lap, like, I traded the... I traded a set of air shocks for these axles, basically. Air shocks and an anti rock bar. Um, and I'm not breaking 1480s all that often. I've done more damage to the actual shafts than I have to the 1480s. Um, like I broke a 60 inner and then I broke a 31 or a 30 spline outer. And that's it. Running the ninety nine to 04. Yeah, but yeah. I tack my caps. So, yeah, so I, I I do that now. And the last one I just broke, the ta uh, caps were were tacked, but it, it just killed the U joint. The I, the inner stub is okay. I can still reuse it, but the outer is killed. Which I run ball joint eliminators, which is kind of a must if if I say so, because you ain't got to worry about you know. The, the ears overlapping, hitting the ball joint, and then, you know, whole damn wheel fall off. The only counterpoint I have to that is, I know someone that broke a set of ball joint eliminators on a fab axle, mm -hmm. um, and they blew the U-joint up, and it took the whole C and broke <laughs> the C. So I'd rather deal with a set of ball joints than a broken C. Yeah. But, was probably like a high speed car or something like that. Nah, he was trail bouncing. Really? Some of the junket? Yeah. No, I'm talking about when Capalto launched his inner C. Oh well, on, yeah, uh, he kind of goes quick though too. So I mean, it might have been damaged from like going I, fast beforehand. So I also feel like he's just a special case to begin with. I know, but I feel like I'm well within my realm to say that it was trail bouncing it that day. When he blew it up, <laughs> he was definitely on the limiter when it went, but you know, hey. Hardy, hardy. Uh, yeah. So, I got, let's see, I got a couple more questions about well, that. I, How, okay. Sorry, go ahead. I, know, go I was going to ask the tire question. Go, okay. Perfect timing. Um, all right. Well, for one, you got SX stickies, but they're not Etna cut. Why is no. that? Because it seems like, you know, that's like the, the go-to thing. So why wouldn't you want the Aetna Cut? To, to me, I mean, you know, there, there's Aetna Cut and there's TN Cut. You know, that was the thing back in the 2000s when everybody had, you know, cab trucks and all that. Because like Aetna, you know, like Horsepower Hill, Balls Hill, you know, the wall, it's, it's just mostly dirt. So it was almost like there were scoops. You know, it would scoop into the dirt and propel you forward. Mm -hmm. That's all great and dirt. But rocks, you know, especially with sticky tires, the more contact 
pattern you have on the rock, the more traction you have. That's why you look at a slick red. A slick red is going to outdo a new red, you know, any day of the week just because there's more contact pattern. And that's one reason why I've not cut my 43s. And another reason is because, you know, when, when, when you cut them, there's just more lugs exposed and you're more prone to ripping lugs off and then they wear out faster. I mean, they look good, don't get me wrong, but and the biggest reason, why like, they're just they're just too expensive to to cut up. You know, I want to prolong the life as as long as I can out of them. You know, like, I, I would love to have a spare, but now, man, they're they're a thousand dollars a tire. And I'm not a rich man by any means, but that's just a lot of money, right? You know, to to just to go out and you know and and to to cut all of them. Yeah, I, I totally get that for sure. But I mean, it's, they do, you know, do better on you know dirt climbs and stuff like that. But I, I think personally, you know, a, a uncut SX is going to outperform a cut SX, you know, any day of the week on any type of terrain besides, you know, a dirt hill. That makes sense to me. Um, what was the, what's the difference between the Etna and the TN cut? So the Atna is like straight lines across, and then a TN cut is almost like a crisscross pattern. Like you'll cut, you know, like if you're looking at like a swapper, you'll cut like the lug on the right, go up to the next row, cut the lug on the left, go up to the next row, cut the lug on the right, and it just kind of, you know, inter intertwines the, the pattern and spacing a little bit. I'm having to look this up. I didn't even know that a TN cut was a thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because Todd just did the... I think Todd just did. I can't remember. I, re... I thought it was on Sticky Mickey's, but he's got a set of Etna cuts on that blue buggy now. Yeah, I've seen where he just rear-steered it. Yeah, that thing's sick. Yeah, I like uh, uh, Jared's blue juggy that's got rear-steer on it now, too familiar um there's a lot of i'm still getting to meet people down here so some of the names i know some of them i don't i just ended up meeting up with uh todd at the ride that you were at where he got that ori hung against the tree that was some funny stuff oh, and yeah, then that, um jared back up, what was that jared backflip the uh, rockwell bouncer yeah 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 yeah, that, that dude's was, cool. Yeah, that's um, good old shit. And then I met up with Todd at fifty three thirteen, and that place ain't worth going to all that much. It's a good spot if you want to open a rig up, but it's not a good spot for rock crawling. So actually, um, I had a razor, and that's kind of how I ended up with my TJ, um, Jeremy Moody. I don't, I don't know if you know who that is. Yeah, yeah, he's got an orange CJ, I think it's a 7, but uh, he had this Jeep when I first got it. Um, man, it was just a frame and a tub. It had a drivetrain in it, and he had some parts, and uh, I ended up trading my Razor, which people thought I was stupid, and I traded my 900 XP for this Jeep, and uh, sold some parts, upgraded some parts, and just kind of, you know, I told him my whole life I've always wanted to, you know, back half you know, four link TJ with, you know, LS and auto and Atlas and all that, you know, and I'm, you know, finally made that happen. 
Yeah. But uh, I, he he lived down in Costa Villa, and I actually passed that fifty three thirteen off road on the way to it, and I've never even heard of it until then. There was um, trail trash, and it was a good time. Don't get me wrong; it's always a good time out there. But with them, just there's not a lot of challenging stuff out there. It's a good shakedown run, though. Make sure the rig was running all right before I went to. I forget what the trip after that was, but we did the John and Casey thing, and we got breakfast at the Cracker Barrel. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's something that I still don't understand. I don't dislike it, but southern cracker barrel lunches or breakfast or it's like a tradition for every time you meet someone new yeah yeah we actually went um i, th- I think it was memorial week uh me and and john and I can't remember, i think casey was there. casey was there too and dylan we all went to cracker barrel and ate breakfast i like cracker uh, barrel <laughs> nah, i like, look like a cracker barrel dude actually they have a really good um grilled tenders for lunch those things are so fucking good so yeah. good yeah i like their pot their pot roast they only cook it on sundays man but it's fire went up there um i got eggs and bacon and coffee and it was pretty good just met up with the guy for breakfast because we were talking about going competition shooting and whatnot so I was up there last, what was it, Tuesday or it was Monday to meet him. It was cool. Good food. Just, I find it funny because, like, every time that you go to meet up with people, you're going to Cracker Barrel for lunch or breakfast or lunch. <laughs> uh, sorry, my mind's shot. I went on a six mile hike today and went to the gym last night, and I didn't really sleep well last night. So my brain's just kind of all over the place, which is why i've been so jumpy um <laughs> see did you finish the tire no, question no i didn't you cut me off <laughs> um oh, man, all right terrible. so for dot only because you know every sticky can be good in its own terms for a dot tire what is the worst tire in your own opinion and what's the best tire in your own opinion I mean, if, if we all don't agree and say Pats are the worst tires, and we yes, sir, be friends. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, where's the best tire, man? Like, it's it's going to be a it's going to be a hard choice. Like, I I have a set of Maxxis Creepy Crawlers on my 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 personal Cherokees, which are thirty sevens, and you know, I I love them things. Like, they have good road manners. Um, they wear good. I was worried about them cleaning out in the mud, um, but they actually clean out really good. And you can air them down enough where they flex, but you don't really have to worry about, you know, getting a sidewalk. They're, they're still pretty stiff tires. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to say a Max's Creepy Crawlers or a Max's Razor. Okay. Bram uh, runs the Razors, and those things work great. Yeah. I, I, you know, as far like I said, DLT tire. I mean, you know, one that you're gonna, you know, put some miles on and still wheel. I mean, as long as they got tread, they do good. Now, any tire when they start wearing out and getting slick, they're just you know their the performance is going to go downhill. But you know, as long as you know they got tread meat left, I'm gonna say you know, I'm a I'm a big Max's fan. Tire, I think that's separate from that would be stickies because I've seen some bald SXs and some. Really bald reds go up some stupid stuff. 
He yeah. said DOTs. Hey, he said I know, DOTs. I I, but <laughs> I'm and then again, I've seen I've seen old ass SX stickies full tread not go up shit too. I mean, I think there's a mixture of time and heat cycle along with the actual tread itself. So I think there's like a hit or miss with it. Then again, so, reds I've seen old ass reds bald losing tread still go up shit that I couldn't on DOTs. So I don't know. <laughs> I uh, when I first built mine, I actually had a set. Of, I ain't gonna say bald reds, but I, I would say fifty percent. You know, they just started cracking, and that, that's when they you know start really hooking. And man, them things they they really will blow your mind in some places. Like if that, if there was a rock to be found, it didn't matter if it was you know in a mud hole or you know wet, dry, or what. If there was a rock to be found, it would find traction, and, and the the reason I get rid of my reds is is because I run the O five plus you know SD sixty and I kept bottoming out or I kept chunking out on on everything like my Dana thirty and my Cherokee with thirty sevens had more ground clearance than my uh, SD sixty did with the thirty nines and that was one reason why I went to forty threes is just for you know, ground clearance, and then, you know, bigger, bigger tires never really hurt nobody, but they, reds, where they lack is, and, you know, wet, muddy conditions, and I didn't have the horsepower or tire speed to really, you know, get up any, like, you know, wet dirt hill or anything like that, like, I would spin out, have the winch, and that was another reason why I wanted to go with 43s, because, you know, they are a little more aggressive tire spacing, and, they they still do pretty dang good in you know muddy conditions. Mm-hmm. Geez, run small, man. Unless yeah. you're like to get a uh, close to a quote unquote forty, you need to get like the forty twos. I'm on the reds, correct? Yeah, on the reds. Okay, you Any cut BFPs. out a little bit. You started oh, cutting yeah, out sorry. when you said it, so we were all kind of sitting here like, is he talking about SXs? Because I don't think so. Oh. <laughs> SXs run tall as fuck, boy. Yeah, that's um, why I was confused. I was like, wait in to double check exactly what you were saying. <laughs> I, I, I would love remember. to. Oh, sorry, go ahead. To, I'd love to try a set of 42 inch reds, but, you know, they only I come mean, in 20. Yeah, but that's baller, you know? Like, that's baller, baller as fuck. <laughs> but, you know, they're, they're expensive. And, and, you know, I, I think the reason why is because the sidewalls, I think they thought that maybe they'd be too much sidewall from a 17 yeah. to a 42. Mm-hmm. Our reds are with sidewalls. So I, I think that's the main reasoning why, you know, they didn't make it in a 17-inch wheel. Yeah, you wouldn't even be, you'd be turning the, the center, tre- or like the tread to actually contact in the ground and still be pointing straight. Whole yeah. wheel would be turning one way. <laughs> yeah. Damn, a set of race lines in a 20 is fucking... Six hundred fifty bucks a rim. That's not as terrible as I was guessing. I literally was thinking over a thousand per rim. Yeah, but we're talking about race lines. We're not talking about like some methods or something. Yeah, I think a set of methods. If you ain't got forces on your forty-two inch stickies, I don't fucking want it. Right? Right? AMC grenades are six seventy-five. That's it. That's not as bad as I would have guessed, honestly. No. Let's see what a 42 red's going for, though. Oh, fuck. 1,800? No, that's too much, right? Maybe 1,500? I would say probably 15 or so. That was actually a set. 
It was, I think it was on Walker Evans wheels, but they were twenties. They were brand new wheels, brand new forty twos. I think somewhere like Colorado, it's probably been like six Walker? months. Oh boy, wanted like ninety eight hundred dollars for them for the wheels. Walker Evans makes wheels. I thought they were a suspension company. No, they used to make beadlocks back in the day. No shit, huh? Yeah. What? Mm, I had so, those on my snowmobile. <laughs> the suspension. <laughs> from Reno off road, you can get one non DOT forty two fourteen five twenty red for twelve hundred bucks. That's not terrible. I mean, it's not great. Don't get me wrong. You're spending what? Twenty five hundred bucks alone just on wheels, not even with shipping. And then you're looking at about five ish grand for the tires. Sheesh. I mean, you, you, you're probably talking eight grand. You know, pretty close. You're pushing eight grand. Mm-hmm. And you know, you could buy a badass Cherokee for that, or you can have some twenties and forty twos. You know, you you cheat. That's true. You could actually pay for uh, Cracker Barrel every single night. Buy an XJ. And some stickies before buying 42s and 20s. <laughs> That's fucked up. The only crazier people are the people that are running 20s with 43 SXs. That's what are SXs smaller. going for? I think they were like 980. Wait, isn't that what Chris Ayashua had? Was 20s? He was making fun of Ayashua. Oh, yeah. But it looked sick. <laughs> <laughs> it did. I'm. Um, I'm not arguing that. He had race oh. lines as well, didn't he? I don't know what he had. Uh, and they're a thousand attire. Yeah, I, I feel like nine eighty or something like that. So you know, a thousand bucks. Reasonable guys, come on, that's reasonable for some tires, right? I think when I I've had mine for uh two and a half years now. I think they were like seven sixty nine. Now, the return rate on popping a sidewall, getting them vulcanized, SX to red, which do you think withstands more after that point? SX. You think so because of the sidewall? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I don't know. Like I said, I'm, a, I'm just an XX fan, man. That's because you're down south. Everybody yeah. up here is like, it's like, it's like the opposite. Down south, you have like six percent uh, SXs. No, not six percent. Sixty percent SXs. Then you have like twenty-five percent um, reds, and then you're what? What would that be? Fifteen percent? No, it'd be. Hold on, math. Uh, yeah, it would be fifteen percent. Look at me go. Fifteen uh, percent like trepador, and then it's opposite. It flips. You have your fifteen percent trepadors. You have your twenty-five percent SXs, and then your sixty percent reds. It's kind of cool to see the major difference. Yeah, like me, I guess if, if I had to choose between traps or reds, I'm probably gonna go with a trap over red. Really? Yeah. What? That's go crazy talk. That's crazy yeah. talk. I mean, you know, I mean, reds do go bad, but how many people do you see cutting traps? Well, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Look at KOH. We were watching KOH last night, and I think. The only the only vehicle that I saw in like the forty five hundred class that didn't pop a tire was actually a fucking nitto. There was trapadors that were getting shredded. There was those uh, what are those fucking stickies that you like uh, that look like a MGR? USDs. The Baja boss. The Baja bosses. Everybody was cutting those. I mean, shit. 
It was ridiculous the amount of people that were popping tires on qualifying. It was a, yeah. a mess. And then Lauren uh, Healy just fucking just went brrr, like flying through the whole qualifying. Didn't even have a problem. Didn't hesitate a single thing. It was actually really cool to watch. On the Nittos? Yep, on Nittos. Those, I no, tell you what. Is he Falcon or is he Nitto? He's Nitto, right? He's Nitto. I'll um, double check. Then... My only takeaway from that is that the Nittos are still bombproof. They don't have the best traction in the world, but they make up for it by the fact you can drop your whole Cherokee on it and it doesn't even care. Yeah. You, you don't need traction when you have forward horsepower, right? Yeah. God, I sound like a sound like an advertisement. Yeah. <laughs> um. So real quick, well, everyone's still here and all that. Uh, we've got Graham. like 15 minutes left. We didn't here. even talk about that. The Graham's not even fucking here. Yeah, well, whatever. Graham's Graham. Um, <laughs> dude, I saw that IROX are coming out in a sticky for a 39.5 sticky, and I'm not gonna lie, I'm very excited for that. Yeah, so they've been out for a while now. Well, they said they're making a new batch, and because I just think that an IROC sticky is a cool thing because they're beefing up the sidewalls, is what the Interco ad said. So the sidewalls if, are already massive enough. Oh, yeah. I'm about that. How, so, what? Are we just going to start making tires out of cement and we just have to like re spray foam well, the tread back on? From like 2007. Yeah. yeah, but again, if a 36 at zero PSI that has 15 years of fucking abuse can't even squish down from a Cherokee, yeah, whatever. It's like 30, 3,200 pounds still. If it doesn't squish, that's fucked up. That's fucked up. Well, I think that. In a competition compound, they could be cool as fuck. I I really would love to try a set of those. So uh, especially down here. Yeah, I don't know if y'all know who Jake Pike is, but he had the Fordzilla buggy, the half ton hero and Fordzilla buggy and all that. No, I'm not too sure. Actually, ran uh some thirty nine five IROC stickies, and I want to say the first race, man, he ended up like killing both of them. I think it was at uh Mid America. It might have been rushed. Yeah. You're really killing my vibe right now. (laughs) Good. Fuck you. (laughs) You know what I mean? They're hitting stuff at 40 plus mile an hour. Yeah, you're not wrong there. Um, I just think, like, personally, that they provide a really nice possible blend. And I'm not saying that it's going to actually end up working out like that. Between, like, an SX where you've got those grooves down the center to keep your. Uh, rig stable on side hilling and like a bogger for getting the forward momentum yeah yeah you know i, I you know intercolor makes some good tires like i have a cherokee my buddy's out behind my garage right now it's got some sx2s on there which is kind of like uh in between pattern between a tsl and an ltb and they're they get really good pattern my man they're so stiff and so hard that like they just they last forever and they do good in mud and stuff. But they just don't flex, you know, at, at low at I low pH. They were making those over in China, the SX twos. Yeah, I mean, everything's made hey. over. So is that so was that fucking weather balloon? And they had to shoot it down with a what five million dollar rocket. So clearly, yeah. China's doing it right. It's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <too> much. <laughs> all right. All right. So Richie. Yes. Your question. How are you mounting the truck camper onto your trailer? So I actually built like a little platform 
out of some there's three four by four uh width wise uh on the bottom and then I took two by fours and then braced the sides. Metal or wood? Do what? Metal or wood? Uh it's all wood. Okay, just double checking. Yeah, and then I took some uh OBS boards and, and put it on the top. So the camper it's like I said, it's it's about four and a half inches off of the, the deck of the trailer. But it just sits on the, the platform. But I made the platform where you could run forks in it and pick it up, you know, with a oh. you had to have like extended forks on a tractor or a forklift or something like that. And then uh I actually just ordered some so I had a ratchet straps holding it down. Uh, but I ordered some turnbuckles, and I'm just going to essentially, you know, have some chain and turnbuckles to apply downward force. But on the sides of my platform, uh, I've not got them on there right now. I've got some 2 by 8s to almost wall the camper to the platform. Like, it just sits in there almost like a key pocket. So okay. the camper can't slide, like, side to side. And then I made, like, some uprisers that's bolted to the of the camper and then to the actual trailer. That way, when I crank down on the turnbuckles, it's not actually trying to, like, bow the sides of my truck bed camper down. It'll hit the uprisers, and the uprisers will keep upward pressure to keep the stress off the camper. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. That's pretty sweet. I... I've seen it done a lot of different ways and I mean, they all pretty much end up being the same basic concept of a frame underneath it. But I was just curious. Yeah. There's some guys that actually like, uh, make like little spring shock absorbers between, you know, like the camper and trailer that way when you're, you know, your trailer's going to flake a little bit, you know, just turning into parts and bumps and just, you know, road vibration. And that way it don't, you know, essentially tear your camper to pieces. But they have, like, little shock absorbers that will, like, give and stretch. Yeah. Yeah, because you, you want a little bit of play in there, just like you said, so that way everything can flex the way it wants to. Yeah. But me, like I said, I kind of walled my, my camper in. I mean, I, I have a lot of pressure on it. But not too much where, you know, it'll still allow flex a little bit. But I didn't, my trailer, I didn't want a big, you know, monstrosity trailer. Like my rig and, and, and camper, they just, they, my rig barely fits on there. But it's still. How much space do you have from, like, all the way from the beaver tail to the edge of the trailer, or the campers? I have 15 feet of deck space. Sheesh. Yeah. And how, how long is your rig? Uh, 115 is the wheelbase, so you add, you know, I don't it's know. Just, that's just over, what, 12 feet or so? No. Yeah, I, I've, I've got about... Uh, I'm not a mathematician, I have no idea. Where I park it, I have enough for the door to swing open, and then I have about two feet uh, of space left on the actual dove of the trailer. No, so, that's so pretty good. Single rear wheel. I say hand up. Sorry, you cut out there, or it might yeah. be my end. Uh, I said, how's that tow, or have you not towed it yet? I, I have towed it. Um, it actually, with just the camper, I don't have bags. I got a 15 Ford 6.7. I don't have bags on it yet. 
And then with just the, the the trailer and the camper on there, it'll actually squat my truck a little bit. But when I put the Jeep on the back, the Jeep actually sits right above the axles. And it kind of, it, it levels it out. But I do plan on running bags just to, you know, that way, you know, just extra support and cushion. On the safe side. Yeah. All right. So, since Richie didn't ask the question when I thought he was going to ask the question, do you have any small animal facts for us? Small animal facts? Lord. That'd be a question to ask my daughters, man. They, they, they know everything about everything. I guess, I guess that's all females. If you got a question, <laughs> they got an answer. It don't matter if it's wrong or right. But, huh. I keep thinking on the top of my head. All right, we'll expand it to large animals, too. Uh, Any weird or unusual fact? Huh. Caught me off guard. I would have looked that up and come up with a good one. The point of it, it, it's like we get to the tail end of the off-road podcast and got to make someone jump somehow. Huh. Jump? Uh, think, you know. Oh, gotcha. (laughs) Terminology was weird, my bad. I don't, I don't have any, I don't think. Oh, fair enough. Fair That's enough. Okay. Well, you're just lame, then. If you can't come up with a weird fact, you're not a cool person. I know, man. Just, I'm, I am pretty plain, you know? You, you, you gotta have that one thing that when you are drunk at a party and you want to, like, make people question how sane you are, you just come out and say this. Well, you missed it, Richie. He's like a fairly normal, well-rounded individual. He goes to church on Sunday. He's got, like, kids and stuff, you know. He's not like you. <laughs> I, I, I try to, to be a good person. I do, you know. Um. All right, so final question for you from me. Um, how did you do your LS engine harness? Uh, so there's a guy pretty local to me, Shannon Taylor. Um, he actually builds harnesses, and you know I, I bought my harness, my computer, everything from him. It's essentially a cut down factory harness with the factory computer. Just kind of played. Yeah, uh, the only thing that I uh, originally was going to run a truck intake. And then I've got my motor up pretty tall or pretty high, and I was worried about the intake hitting my hood. And we all know truck intakes, they're ugly anyway. So I ended up coming across a LS1 intake and bolted it on there. And they have the uh, EV1 injectors over like the Multec. So I got with like Michigan Motorsports, and they have the adapters. And I just bought the adapters and, you know, Plugged it. it was still plug and play, but okay. yeah, it was, it was all fairly simple. Well, I know that we're coming up on the time deadline we'd set, so let's see. If you're going wheel in the south, definitely look at running SXs, and if you're going to do your frame chop, make sure to just fully commit. Have a good night, everyone.